We got into an argument the other night. People were talking about like, if you die, your cat's going to eat you. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. That's if I had a cat that was eating me alive, I would clearly have a problem. <laughs> they do try to do that too. They just don't try very hard. Yeah. <laughs> They're testing. They're licking. They're testing. They're like, can I eat you? Then they lick you. They're like, oh, never mind. I'll just I'll cover up cover up the uh cover up the tracks. Still oh, alive. Still that spiky alive. tongue makes it feel like they're still trying to eat you, though. For so now. that's their built-in hairbrush. Yeah. What kind of dog is that, Ralph? It's a doodle Aussie. Mm. Aussie I, I like how you said it was a doodle Aussie, not an Aussie doodle. Mm. I, I don't know what it's more doodle. And it's gone. Aussie. Yeah, it's it's gone. It's found a new spot. So, do you guys want to hear a horrible idea that came up in the uh, content community meeting? Oh, no. So the horrible idea was if you attend enough webcasts, I will name one of our farm animals after you. (laughs) That's the award? After you get 10? Are you just going to go buy like a bunch of chickens and just be like, all right, here we go. (laughs) This this cow is now called haircut fish. (laughs) Yeah, I ate zero cool last weekend. It was delicious. (laughs) That's the thing that gets me. It's like, you know, haircut fish is like, hey, whatever happened to my cow? Oh, we got, you know, people got to eat cows. Yeah, no, hold on. Can I get like at least a steak? Like, do you like, you know, it's butchered, but you get like. At least a little steak as like, you get something in the out of it. You get yeah. the tongue. You get tongue. Yeah. Lingua. Ron would ask, would this one be one of the cows destined to for slaughter? Yes, it would be. Um, and then they would Where get. We, how do you think we get the steak dinners for uh, hacking best? <laughs> oh my god, that's even better. You serve it at. <laughs> <laughs> and we can go through as people are going through the line. It's like this is haircut fish, and then as we switch <laughs> over, it's like you know that's fine with me. But you absolutely need to have a vegetarian or vegan option if I'm going to be eating Discord people. <laughs> we can definitely do that. <laughs> oh my gosh! What happened in the news? No one got hacked. I'm sure. No, um. there was no hack this week. Actually. You know what the funny part is? Most of the hacks are just like, hey, and they finally reported that this happened. And they found out. <laughs> they were told by the SEC they had to tell us. I don't know. Nothing Nothing really stood out to me this week. I guess I'm just like not caring anymore. Maybe there's some good ones. Uh, Lone Depot, they got popped. There's a zero day. and a Don't give it away. Oh, yeah. Don't give it away. Uh, Ralph, dude. Ralph. Sproski. Ralph. Thanos dies at the end. Oh, wait. Sorry. (laughs) This is, this is the, this is no no spoilies. I'm just giving you like the little teaser. Who kills Dumbledore? Uh, Is it Obama that kills Dumbledore? I forget. Thanks, Obama. So, so I stopped drinking coffee on Thursday. Oh. I feel like I'm a whole new person. Like I'm just lower key now. It's it's been quite the downturn in my life. I don't really like go back. Why did you quit? <laughs> like, the, I was looking at like so I was looking at my heart rate right, and I'm like, my heart rate is. I was like watching the scales. I started drinking Vietnamese coffee, right, and I really wasn't like shrinking the amount, and I my heart rate was like ten beats per minute more the past month, and I'm like, oh no, that can't be good. Yeah, but those and are so, worth it. Maybe I, you're just getting out of shape. 
that's definitely part of it yeah that's that's not coffee that's kids and a child (laughs) all right that's a good point too yeah run more he can't eliminate the other i mean it's like everything right like you know you can do too much but like coffee is one of those things it's like you always hear someone that's 100 years old and they're like what do you credit to living to be 100 and they're like coffee coffee is one of the things that got me here i love coffee don't take it away from me it's like okay i thought it was cigars huh cigars i thought it was cigars i thought it was heavy drinking just ed birds whiskey drinking it's all of those things yeah eating doritos and heavy drinking is the sign of people that lives to 105 by the way, if you're joining, um, don't ever take health advice from what yeah, you buy. <laughs> this is not a health podcast, nor is it a security podcast. This is an animal podcast. I've had people come to security conferences for the first time, and one of the things that strikes them is we are not healthy people. Uh, no, no. <laughs> hey, speak all. for yourself. But, we go mountain biking during security conferences. We do, we do. But if you're looking at the aggregate, as oh well, yeah, no, John, yeah. definitely. Would, would you consider us almost the Jerry Springer of news podcasts? <laughs> no, like, we're not. We're not. We're Johnny, like we're, what's below Johnny, Jerry Springer, John, right? Like what's John, below John. it? Like <laughs> we just go crazy off topics and stuff like that. It gets we're not doctors. Real weird about furries every now and then, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that only happened once. We told we said we weren't going to talk about it anymore. No, no, no. You know no. That, I think I've done furries three or four times. Oh, yeah. well, you know that uh, Jerry Springer was like a politician for a long time. Anyway, was. side topic. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get it started, folks. Well done. Finger footage. Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about InfoSec news. This week, we have all kinds of fun stories. Um, Chinese APT attack, 30% Cisco routers, zero day and Avanti VPNs. We've got new Linux malware that's totally not new, but they've got to say new whenever they put it in the article that ours Technica. Otherwise, you aren't going to click the link. I mean, I clicked the link, so it must work, I guess, as a thing. Um, crypto firms exposed to, exposed to supply chain attacks through GitHub. We've got a lot of stories today. And joining me this week is our illustrious cast of characters. As always, we're joined by Kat. Say hi, Kat. Meow. Um, yep. So that's Kat. Like, <laughs> I'm jealous of that cat at the moment right now. His that's... life is everything you wish your life was. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A lot of the work. Uh, also, Alex is joining us. I don't know. Alex has... The creepy person behind him with a, uh, it's, it's fine. This is uh, fine. Yep. This yeah, is it's fine. fine dog. So we've got more pets here feeling awful because I don't have any pets. Uh, we have Wade, by the way, welcome back, sir. And he's rocking. Oh, well, that's caffeine free Wade. That's caffeine caffeine free Wade. <laughs> I got, so I trimmed my mustache and I, I messed up a little and I almost <gasps> shaved it off. And I got into this like gnarly argument with a couple friends that are like, do you realize if you keep having that mustache, it's going to be part of your brand. And then I realized it already is. I can't get rid of it. And now I'm doomed to have a mustache for the rest of my life. No, caffeine free Wade can do whatever he wants. (laughs) Maybe caffeine free Wade, not so much. You're a new man. It's a new you, 2024. (laughs) We also have Kelly Torala. Hello. I'm also caffeine free. It's not, no, I know that. It's not floating today. The camera is more locked in position, which is good. Mm. So, and we have dog. 
which actually I know that this sounds weird. We don't have any pictures of dogs. There, there was a Discord there comment. Was a that dog. Said, he he decided that he didn't want to be part of the webcast. I Did anyone see the Discord comment yeah. as we were rolling the finger that someone said, uh, who shaved the dog? You just come here. No, we don't want that. I want that and then uh last but not least is ryan who keeps this all together and keeps us moving in the right direction also a little bit of news we have the most offensive con that ever offensive to the bypass edition coming up so be sure to check out that uh, don't webcast. bypass that con wait no oh. bypass that conference <laughs> oh, man, are you so- that was pretty good that was pretty good yeah all right so let's jump straight in which one do we want to talk about first can I talk about the Ars Technica article? Because I love There's Dan. two of them. There's There's two. The Which Linux one? device is under attack by never-before-seen worm. See, never-before-seen. I, I love Dan, and I'd love to think that he didn't come up with a title on this one. Because really, I, every, anytime I see this, I'm thinking, oh, wow, it's going to be a new worm. And I'm going through it, and it's like, oh, it's basically just a reskin of the Mirai botnet. It's got a really cool crypto miner in it. It used to be with the crypto miner stuff, you could reverse engineer and gain access to keys. With this particular one, it doesn't actually like store the keys on disk. Once the miner has been initiated, then it gets the information um, that it needs for mining, mining crypto. And it loads it directly into memory, which is really, really, really cool. But it still can be extracted from there. Once again, if you go into the proc file system, go into its process ID and then copy off exe and some of the other files in that directory you can do some base level memory forensics on linux systems but this i don't know it it seems like this is yet another mirai variant um yes the way it's doing crypto mining is really you know a a little bit different and it is novel Um, but we've seen you know basically direct to memory injection uh commands for quite a while as well also, this particular one, it is a bot. Uh, sorry, not a bot. It is a worm. And I want to explain to people what the difference is. A virus requires something to write on top of, right? Um, it doesn't have any ability for doing locomotion on its own. It requires a file. It requires a carrier. It requires an email. It requires, you know, a website, watering hole, those types of things. Worm, on the other hand, has the ability for self-propagation. And in this particular piece of malware, um, it self-propagates through really, really crappy passwords. Uh, the old SSH. It's just like... SSH instead of Telnet, baby. We're getting oh, the time. they're moving yeah. on. <laughs> also, it, it, does this... Is it the year of the Linux desktop, finally? It is, it is the year of the Linux yeah. desktop. Because yeah. I've been uh, waiting... I, I don't know. I mean, this is more of a cloud thing. And I wanted to also talk about the... like. So, okay. The graph's actually really shocking because... The graph tells me that based on this, like the graph says, it, this is 30% of their incident percentage. Or maybe is it just 30 incidents? I don't know. I think I, this, this, graph, is, this, is a, this is a graph from their honeypot. Mm. Uh, okay. So that's probably the incident count on this specific honeypot. So there have been 30 yes. attempts by this botnet on their honeypot over the past year. Okay. So yeah. uh, they also talk about the attacks have only originated from 849 APs. So this is kind of a niche thing, but I will say I think it's worth talking about because SSH password auth has to die. It just has well, to die. I think we just I, I think we got to make that bigger. We've talked about this in the show before, and um, I, I I think that it like at BHIS pen testing on the outside. If you're running authentication and there's no two factor, it's it's a high. And yeah. we talked about it a little bit in some webcasts. We talked about it here. 
It's been a little bit controversial, once again, with a number of our customers, but this is why. I mean, you constantly are seeing organizations get compromised because of fundamental lack of two-factor authentication. And bad passwords. So mm-hmm. it's like bad, bad cycle passwords. factor. Bad. There, yeah. there was one thing with cryptocurrency that it does, and it said, we believe that they, the threat actors choose to run their own private pool instead of a public one, thereby eliminating the need to specify wallet. Yeah. Can... can can you explain that, Corey, and someone who's not? I mean, I'll take a crack at it. First of all, the cat. First of all, the cat. Meow, meow. Second of all, I'm taking a crack at it. So uh, they're, I believe they're mining Monero. Is that what XM Rake does? Am I wrong? Yeah. So they're mining Monero. And how crypto... Let me just... I'll, I'll try to do this to explain like I'm fine. They're, in cryptocurrency, there are hard math problems. And everyone's trying to solve the same hard math problem. And whoever solves the hard math problem gets the whole block. So it's essentially like all or nothing. Whoever wins, wins. Everyone else loses. So as you'd imagine, if you're just by yourself trying to solve this math problem, you are very unlikely to solve it when there's a team of 100 100 people working on it or 100,000 people. So pooling is essentially, let's all work on the same math problem and we'll just say, if one of us figures it out, we all distribute the rewards evenly. So essentially, the concept is to share the compute and the rewards, because that's just a necessary thing with uh, cryptocurrency because of the size of some of the math problems is so large that it would take years and years to solve them. So essentially, the whole pool thing is you pool your compute resources together. So if you're running a botnet, you pull all the compute resources in your botnet into one. And then if you hit a a block or if you win, then essentially the resources are distributed to everyone in the pool. The whole, from like a cybercrime perspective, the reason to do it, like Wade said, is because instead of using a specific one wallet that receives the payouts, the payouts are distributed to the pool. So essentially it's the the rewards are distributed anonymously by default. Um, And so. And the, the challenge is dispersed to all the workers in the pool. That they don't have correct. to have a crypto wallet to solve the challenge. Once they correct. have solved the challenge, the math problem, so, then it goes back to the controller of the pool, and then it can submit that response, it, and then yes, it can make it, it distributes it distributes the rewards amongst the pool, which can be done at the des- uh, discretion of the sort of. So the reason leader. or the not reason, or and not in this situation, there's no rewards going back to the workers because it's all being ran by the bot. Well, no, that, exactly. That, that's yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say the reason they're using a third party, um, are they're using their own uh, what do you call it? Um, distributed working, right? Instead of using a mining pool that's public, is that the mining pool that's public could just be like, oh no, you guys were using this uh, on stolen machines. We're just gonna keep the money, right? Because no. they have to pay out, right? That money goes to one big wallet. For everyone that's in the pool and then the pool distributes that based on how much work you contributed but since they have their own pool doesn't matter nobody to stop them, right? so it's, yeah it, I, it lets you it lets you distribute the money when you want yes. instead of requiring you to distribute it per yes. you know. but the downside is though is that uh like if the pool's really big they get a very consistent payout right because they win yes. enough and then you get your little cut right um, yeah. You know, and depending on how big the mining or the crypto mining network is, will kind of dictate how often you win a block and how much computing so, power you have. So, uh, Ryan, can you bring up the current price of Bitcoin, please? A lot. Oh yeah, we should talk that about was, the Bitcoin ETF thing. I'm assuming uh, someone posted that in like chat. Forty-two, I, I think, right now. But. Yeah. Ralph, you don't have the price of Bitcoin on a display in your house anymore. That's kind of sad. I do actually. It's forty-two eight hundred. All right. <laughs> so we can bring that up. 
So I, I want to run this by y'all just because this is just a theory. When Bitcoin went down, we saw a lot more ransomware, right? Like, well, there's my cat. Um, when Bit- Bitcoin like cratered, we saw a lot more ransomware where they were actively locking out computers. And now that Bitcoin is super high, you know, we're seeing this story where they're installing miners instead in the botnets. Um, do you all think that this is this is a trend that's pretty predictable, or do you think that ransomware is still just going to be ransomware for the quick payout, or do you think that because Bitcoin's getting so high, you're going to see a lot more mining? Well, the difficulty increases when the really? price goes up. So, right? I, mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's really a connection. I would guess that the connection of actual ransomware attacks is. I don't think there's a correlation there. I will so, say I do think there's a correlation between activity of the threat groups and like people are going to want to cash out bitcoins when they're high. So essentially like this is where we might see thing players making a move to either like purchase additional assets or move money around or whatever North Korea does with their bitcoin. I don't want to know. So basically like I, I don't think attackers are cuz for them it's a means to an end and all, everything's negotiated in US dollars. Everything is a, a $10 million payout or a $5 million payout. It's not negotiated in cryptocurrency prices. So for them, it's a means to an end. And they're cashing, they might not be cashing it out right away, but they're definitely laundering it right away. So See, I, I don't know. I, I would like, part of me thinks if I was running a, a, a criminal em- enterprise, I would really lean towards mining because it's more yeah. long term. You, it's, I think that it has a potentially really good long term payout than just you know ransomware for millions well, of dollars mining and you're gonna be likely buying when it's when it's high up right and then yeah. when it's low well, right and no, one, of, no, one of the yeah. good, one of the other articles we have actually has a really good statistic where uh the estimated damage from crypto jacking is to be about 53 dollars for every one dollar worth of moreno yeah so it cost but, 53 which i thought was interesting. Yeah, well, but <laughs> so the mining thing like mining cryptocurrencies are going away like we've seen ethereum move to a pr- proof of yeah. uh store like every proof of stake, and, and yeah oh, like proof of stake yes sorry proof of stake basically mining is dying and the reason mining is dying is because it will destroy the planet before it becomes a decentralized cryptocurrency like it, it comes down to also like other people have mentioned mining is less efficient the more people that do it so when the price jumps more people mine it means the mining payouts go lower because more people are mining so i don't know i i think it's all just a means to an end and the crypto mining is really the wrong angle to take but i mean it is what it is like i think they that's what they've chosen to do the crypto mining just means that people won't possibly discover it that soon, right? So, and there's less likely for it to be like an FBI investigation. Or if you do the ransomware, they're like, oh, let's find out who did this, right? Uh, but the ransomware's got a higher payout. So it's all kind of risk reward, right? Yeah. Also, the well, mining- but I also, I also look at it like this, like once again, if I was a cyber criminal, I could mine and I could be doing, um, like doing credential harvesting off of those systems. There's a lot. It's a why not. Yeah, it's yeah, a why yeah. not. Turn, yeah, yeah. John, then, if you're doing if you're doing mining, you're gonna have to do an 8K. Oh, you have to report that. Uh, there's yeah. no oh, other <laughs> you know, there's a special line. I was really so code. mad whenever yeah. my accountant was like, "No, John, you do have to actually report crimes to the IRS." You do <laughs> legally. You legally. They have like a section in the uh, tax for illegal activities to be reported. I, I'm I'm just saying. 
Is that what you fill in? Yeah, Ralph? yeah, I always fill that one. Yeah. Or I mean, don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the mining thing. I'd be interested. I don't know if anyone can pull this up, but like, what is the? How much has this pool hit? Like, how much of a reward has this pool received? Is well, we it, don't know what the bit. We don't know what the wallet address is. No, but yeah. we we can. You can see rewards at a pool level. You no, can see no, how many. They're running their own pool. We don't know. Yeah, what they're the, running their own pool and then submitting. Yeah, it looks. It's going to look like a single. Yeah. So like when yeah. when they're they're submitting work it's just a uh i believe it's like an rpc request or an acp request right like it's not there's no they're not submitting to the chain right yeah yeah well uh griffin infosec brought up a great point though too said there's a lot of detections of crypto mining on assets in the cloud via endpoint net network detections which is great mm -hmm. but the problem with that I, I keep coming back to there's all these amazing security things you can do but a lot of these organizations they aren't exactly hitting they like a lot of the illegal organizations aren't exactly hitting the best companies that have the best security, right? They, they, you know, it, it's, oh, it's, it's totally yeah. just like, why is, and honestly, like most cloud instances have such minimal CPU that this is going to be like, it's the payouts have got to be tiny. Like if you think about most Amazon instances, they have CPU credits that they'll consume in like roughly 24 to 48 hours with like a hundred percent usage. And then yeah. it'll just significantly limit down the, you know, CPU ability. I mean, it's, that's the other reason why mining has gone away is because it's just really inefficient of generating money, but it's a free thing. If you're, uh, if you're a threat actor and you might as well, uh, run a miner, you, you go ahead and do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think this goes, all right goes well with that other article of uh, uh where is it scrolling the guy who uh created a million vms and or hackers hacker uh spins up one million virtual servers to illegally mine crypto yeah so, <laughs> yeah right right so pretty much the <laughs> so 29 year old ukrainian spins up a whole bunch of servers uh hacked accounts via hacked accounts, hacked accounts okay in yeah. order to create a bunch of in order to just mine Mm -hmm. And they wind up catching him too, which is always fun, or at least supposedly. He's also Ukrainian, right? This, so. this is really common too with any kind of AWS or API keys or whatever. You just jump on there, spin up as many instances as you possibly can off of the account. You spin them up in every region if you have AWS, yep. for example. And which is they why they have yeah. limits on the accounts and what they can spin up and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah, most of the limits on there are actually just so somebody, if somebody does break into your account, yes, even They're though super AWS low limits. You, yeah. Well, AWS gives you like enough to literally hang yourself. So, uh, not by default anymore. Like, as an example, you can't even spin up any GPU oh, instances. Oh no, without I, I, I disagree with that. Like, like the amount that we spend on AWS, like they, like those, those. Well, so yeah, fun those, fact: how, how much you have limits is based on how much you spend. So, like, yeah, if you're it, a free account, it, you get like no limit. You get a super <laughs> low limit. If you're oh, yeah. spending like 10k a month, you have like an unlimited limit. It's like yeah, it's like credit that, limits, that, you know. And that goes into a what was it? Citigroup. God, what was the name of that? All right, there was a bank that was hit, and uh, it was through their cloud infrastructure. And same concept. Like they spent a lot of money, so it was really easy to spin up these miners underneath yeah. the wire. They didn't even detect it that way at yeah, all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen customers that have had over a hundred thousand a month easy in cloud bills that are just spending it up. I think with AWS that's that's BHIS. We're a baby company. Well, John, you, you yeah. might be finding out about our secret crypto mining operation. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Well, okay. So I haven't I haven't told the story in a while. Did I ever tell you like uh the story about I, I'm I'm going to mention somebody who's in politics, everybody. But I want you to know, 
This isn't I'm a scared story. Okay. Just keep in mind. Um, so years and years and years ago, BHIS was at a, uh, uh, was at a uh, like an office complex, so incubator center for South Dakota. And every once in a while, they would bring dignitaries through, right? They would go through and they would see like, here's Caterpillar, they're here. Here's this guy that makes custom skis and he's here. And then they would come and they would visit us and they would bring in these politicians. And uh, Christy Nome came in and she comes in and she's like, what do you guys do? We break into stuff. This is back when she was in the House of Representatives. And, like we, we hack into places. That's what we do. And, uh, and she's like, oh, wow. Any places that I would know, we had some conversations about that. And she goes into our server room, which is just filled with servers, like all kinds of servers and fans and all that, which you'd expect in a server room. Right. And she looks at it and she goes, so this is, uh, this, what do you use this for? I'm like, well, we're cracking passwords. We're doing this. We're doing that. She goes, wow. With all these servers, you could absolutely mine crypto. Couldn't you? And I'm like, well, we, we could, but you wouldn't want us to do that because the state of South Dakota is paying our power bill. Like in this, <laughs> we get, we get this space. And by the way, we're still not doing this. We bought an entirely different building. Like we get the space and we pay a flat fee. I think it was like $1,500 a month for a thousand square feet and the power comes free. And, uh, that, no, I, I don't, I, I don't think the state of South Dakota would want us mining cryptocurrency. <laughs> and then one of the people that manages it said, oh no, you totally should mine crypto. That's what the South Dakota incubator center is all about. And it got real quiet in that server room for a little while. But <laughs> suffice to say that by the time we got out of there, we were spending more on power. The state of South Dakota was spending more on power than we were paying in rent. Um, so take that for what that's why for. free power is never something you should say to anyone ever yes never no. ever say that especially password cracking rigs that just i will if yeah if you have free power right now i will mail you a rig just give me an address <laughs> <laughs> that's the fish to send to Corey if you want yeah, a free we don't have computer power anymore. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that anymore all right i'm still sending you a rig anyway <laughs> still sending me a rig well you got to come out you got to install it all right all right so um do we want to talk about the zero day and the vpns Yes, we should. Um, so yeah, organizations using Avanti Connect Secure should take action immediately um, because they're actively exploiting two critical zero-day vulnerabilities that allow them to bypass two-factor authentication. Like, you know, whenever I was like reading this, I was like, you know what the world needs? Another VPN provider. Um, mm. We really need more of those. So nope, it's just the web SSL VPN and I think the mm. standard VPN appliance. Um, and they do see this being actively exploited by Chinese nation state attack, uh, attackers. Um, so yeah, it's just so far low numbers and highly targeted attacks are what they're seeing at the point, the exploit right now. So I don't know. Um, this is God, VPN secure. I just, I'm I just, scared. I don't like VPN zero days that those three words, VPN zero day is like every security team's worst nightmare. It is. <laughs> it's like, it's it is. so bad. So it is. I think uh, the other thing too, that is kind of interesting about these VPN vulnerabilities, it, it's kind of how they're architected, right? So typically when you get onto a VPN, you kind of get access to the whole internal network. It's kind of just like some big flat network out there. Um, and, and by the way, there's other ways to engineer this uh, zero trust uh, networks and other kinds of VPNs, which only connect to the assets that they're trying well, to communicate. And, and on that note, Ralph, how many times have we gone access to a, a company that's properly set up VPNs? We gain access to the VPN through creds or whatever, 
and it's literally just an isolated network. Yeah. You still have to access and still have to authenticate to all the services. It's not like wide open and flat. Yeah. Um, so I think that sucks. It, yeah. That. It's kind of a two. Th- so the, the reason why the VPN is such a scary thing is Corey brought up is because it's usually like the last line of defense before the internal, like everything in the it's internal thing, or the security yeah. team said, as long as they're on the VPN, they're very good. Right. Well, and then there's and, like, and, and then there's like 50 by, things like, that they can get yeah, to. A lot that of that bad. is driven by managers, right. Yeah. Where they're yeah. like, yeah, you know, I have to sign into my stupid VPN and then you're making me authenticate yeah. again. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm think, already on the VPN. What more could I possibly do? Yes. I what think in the, the future, I really like the idea of the zero trust VPNs, right? Where you're actually only connecting or like the more mesh style VPNs instead of a hub spoke architecture where you connect into the VPN and now you get access to everything in the internal, um, moving to a more, you know, decentralized, right? So you're connecting to the one asset you're supposed to have access to and either you're supposed to be able to connect to that machine or you're not, right? Now, yeah. obviously, in the scenario of, let's say, even if you did set this up and you did a great job, you know, every employee may be able to talk to the internal SharePoint or whatever it may be, right? Um, but still, though, it it does limit the exposure, right? It's like layers in the defense, right? So if somebody well, does... Just so you know, this does, according to the marketing that I'm looking at, absolutely does support zero trust. Yep. So yep. Um, also, like, I don't know how many people have heard of this. Personally, I don't see this commonly implemented. I see way more Cisco and Pulse Secure and stuff like that. But um, this is Pulse Secure. It is Pulse oh, Secure. This, it is it, Pulse it, Secure. Yeah, but they, they rebranded it. Yes. They yes. Bought. Yes. This is oh, Pulse no. Secure. This is Pulse. <laughs> so wait, they re- why is it called Ivanti Connect Secure, not Pulse Secure? Is it, they they it. Rebrand- it's formerly known oh, as and, and in a couple uh, months because of this hack, it's no. going to be called something different. i want to follow up Corey's point about the uh zero trust uh model they all can do this if you get the premium platinum e10 license that does all the fun stuff right but most people aren't deploying that right of course of course so all right i did want to take a moment by the way a lot of people we we do this live on youtube and on linkedin and all the different places but we are also a podcast um so you can subscribe to our podcast and then you can ignore it for five episodes and then you can resubscribe to our podcast again because they'll wipe it away because that's the way podcasts work now. Uh, but no, we could, if you want us to be like hanging out while you run or something, that would be weird and awkward. But, you know, we'll run away from the sound of God, our voices. I suck at this. Like, remember, you, well, like, John, here's what you say. If you're if you're listening to this right now and you're running, either run a little faster or just turn around and. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say, if you're running, you're doing awesome. You, Keep it yeah, up. Don't give up on you. You're doing great. On, if you're running on the podcast, this is probably as much exercise as I'm gonna get. Thank you for letting us live vicariously through you. Yeah, so. if you're running on, if you're running right now, add me to your Strava once you finish. <laughs> Very. <laughs> you could also listen to the podcast while you're cleaning, cooking, um, and avoiding other things you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Nice, good point. I, I listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Number one thing. Yeah, drive. Or I, what? I you know I hear a lot of people, and this is kind of a pro tip. You can listen to the podcast while you're working. Uh-huh. It's technically work. It, 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 just yeah. tell your boss well, it's work because it's security. Related. I do not approve of this, Corey. Like, no. uh, as your boss, <laughs> you're supposed to be uncomfortable and pa- in pain while mm. you're working. Which, oh, well, I, guess well, I have the black you sent me on my desk. Today, so I guess that that checks out. You, so. you know what I find really weird is like other podcasts like edit their podcast, like the chop the audio up and get rid of Wait, all like, the stupid Ryan? stuff. 
Right, um, right, right. There's no way we could do that. Like that, no, that's we, all we put our feet. There'll be no podcast. It'd only be like ten minutes if we edited out <laughs> there. Ryan, roll the, the finger. Of, burn it. Burn it. Down. <laughs> <laughs> the, the theme of the podcast is we all get egg on our face, and then it's fun. That's the point. Yeah, that's it. All right, next story. This is okay. So we speaking of advertising, I'm going to slide this in there. Uh, we do continuous pen testing where we don't just do a point in time pen test. We do it over the year. We call it the anti-SOC continuous pen testing, black teaming. I don't know. There's a lot of names for it. We haven't stuck on anything yet. And one of the things that we're struggling with is like, what is the amount of social engineering that should be part of like what we do in continuous pen testing? I mean, as it stands now, we do social engineering for standard pen tests and red teams and things like that. And that's great. But it really boils down to like, how much should we be doing um, there's the next story I want to talk about, basically hospital help desks targeted with sophisticated social engineering schemes. And I really, really like this one while we have a number of people reading into it. And I want to pull in some of y'all's thoughts because they actually did get some data uh, from the help desk people for this spearfish or sorry, for this uh, social engineering. They actually leveraged other data breaches to basically come to the table as part of their social engineering pretexts mm. to be far more believable. And we look at MGM, we look at this, is this kind of what, like, is this something that's always been there or is this now a new trend? We're starting to see more social engineering and attackers leveraging this maybe because endpoints getting more secure. And Alex, like, I want to get your opinions on this too. And what you all deal with like how easy it is to find personal information about people. And then you can leverage that against them. I know like your background with trace labs isn't necessarily pretext for social engineering, but goddamn, the steps are real close to the same. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. yeah. A lot of times we reflect on like the stuff trace labs uses and does. We said that in the wrong hands, this can be absolutely terrifying. Um, and yeah, trade actors can you know find this types of in information and present this up to even just cloning uh, voices. They take a sample off of YouTube, use that clone of voice, and put forward these requests. And I think uh, Scattered Spider was one of the threat actors that was doing this. Yeah, so it's not yeah. I'm actually. I think this news article is basically just a leaked pen test report. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we we, we did this that. to we did this to all of our customers, and it was it had mixed success. But basically, what I would say is, you got to make sure this isn't possible. Like you, you got to make sure your your help desk people can't just strip factors off of people's accounts. Like that is a big red flag. It's getting close to we talked about last week about the single factor auth thing. That's kind of the hill where that's the hill I'm dying on nowadays. Is I'm saying if I can call your help desk and pull MFA factors off, it's a it's a vulnerability. Really like no matter whether no matter how much, much social engineering I did or how much recon I did or how much it just shouldn't be possible, especially not for high privileged accounts or high you know, like financial, like this, this organization, they're targeting financial accounts. I don't think it's been specifically attributed to Scattered Spider, but like Alex said, this is totally up their alley. This yeah. is like exactly their TTP. This is exactly what they do. Um, I will say, uh, I don't think they did much recon in the past. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's yeah, adding so recon. Their game. And I, I read through the, the article and it still comes across like very, very dry with how you know with explaining how the social engineering engineers did their step there's probably a lot more you know meat on the bones there with a lot more you know dialogue and persuasion 
who did they impersonate? What sort of you know pressure points did they utilize? Uh, well, so I'm I'm actually them. so I'm actually going to push back a little bit because I'm in a position where I actually have heard one of the calls that was made by Scattered Spider, and it is so okay. basic. Okay. It is super. It is like so. It made me feel so good and bad at the same time. Of like, hey, here's a here's a social engineer at work, and they're not doing any social engineering. Hey, my name's Blah. I need access to my account. I got a new phone. That's it. That's basically <laughs> they're just reading a script out. That's it's like it's so basic. At least the one that I heard w was super basic. It didn't have any kind, like you said, pressure points or anything like that. I'm not saying that necessarily is this hospital attack, but in general, the social engineering required is super is minimal because you're asking the help desk people to do their jobs, mm -hmm. right? You're yeah. you're saying like, hey, can you do your job that you have an exact script to do, which is to help me access my account? So it's like, really, that's why I've fallen on the side of. Just don't let it happen at all. So yeah, don't let your help desk do my, it. Mention my idea there, or you know, too many people on autopilot when you're talking about like these, uh, you know, hospitals, help desks, you know, large organizations that, yeah, you can sit there and go, okay, yeah, you, it's something where you're not demanding that I get up out of my chair and walk over and fix your printer. It's just okay. I you have all the information, and I just need to do a couple of things. Yeah, whatever. It's just exactly. Yeah, someone asked what happened to user verification. So just to make you paranoid. Pretty much anything you can come up with for user verification, someone can find via recon. Yeah. Whether it's we can usually buy it for like five dollars. We like, can either buy it. So just yes, we can buy it for five dollars. We can find it via recon. And here's the most parent terrifying thing. We talk about serial logs every week. So I'm gonna get in my weekly steeler log thing. Here we go. <laughs> in Steal the cases, in the cases where we target people, a lot of the time we have a Steeler log that is ran on their computer and actually has all their autofills from their browser. Potentially that information could be your address, your credit card number, your social security number, but it could also be the security question answers you put when you filled in your security questions or like that could just be saved by your browser because it's super conveniently saving that information for you. So like, yeah, it literally be like security question one and then it has the answer like, you know, <laughs> the 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 shins or whatever the answer yeah, is. Yeah. so it's like that, that's, yeah exactly so that's like an even and that's what threat actors that are scaling at this size they're just going after the targets that they have that information for right so they're doing the recon first they're saying what hospitals can we find employees that are fully compromised and then they're using that information to basically walk through so essentially like any employee verification you can do other than like proof of life, like literally send me a picture that has a timestamp and says, I want my password reset. And go even that, even, even that, even yeah. that, there's a, there's a, AI, ML, yeah. yeah, there's an LLM yeah. or whatever the image creator that made one with the confirmation page for Reddit. And that was all the biggest. LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing that like I tell security teams nowadays is this task should be handed off from the IT department to the security department. And yeah. the security department should make the determination of whether it's malicious or not. Right. It's right. like, it's like, Hey, you, uh, you know, the security team needs to sign off and say, we talked to this user in person. We compared it. You know, we looked at a picture or we called they them or whatever. The they yeah. have to come in the office in person to do this high level administrator privilege change. Right. Like, yeah. As whatever. A, the, that exactly. That often, I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, whatever as a blue the, teamer, yeah. I would hate that. I would hate so, to have to be on that. But I want to get back to the, the core <laughs> question. Like how much of an emphasis should like red team, like engagements have on this, 
right? Oh, all a hundred percent. Because one of my yeah. goals is to rewrite the penetration testing execution standard in twenty twenty four, and you know that was used by a number of people, and it was good for a while, and then it got weird. And I, I'm really trying to figure out, like, I know it's a strange world, it always um, but I'm trying to figure out, like, how much emphasis should I put on this as a thing? So and he, he, I, I, part of me feels like a lot because I feel like that's where the industry is going to be in the next five years that, you know, endpoint and all that is going to be far more difficult. Like, we're going to be seeing a lot more social engineering and physical. Oh, dude, forehead. when I started pen testing, Dave Kennedy was telling stories about how he'd just walk into a company and take a computer with him. Like that, you yep. know, this has been a thing forever. But I, I think if I was like writing the pen testing execution standard right now, what I would say is social engineering should always be in scope if there's a justification and it benefits another part of the pen test, right? Like there's so many cases. I don't think doing social engineering just to do it is necessarily yeah, beneficial. Yeah. It's, it's but if you... Though. If you ha can justify it as like, well, we compromised an account, but it has MFA. Are we approved to go try to social engineer them for a code? Or, no. hey, we got into, you know, we want to try calling the help desk instead of trying password guessing or whatever the like, you know, whatever the, the flow is. If I was writing the standard, I would say SE should be approved by default anytime it has a justification or a component. You know what I mean? So kind of with that then, one of the problems that I have currently with social engineering is the way a lot of organizations try to get us to do it. Not all of them, right? Um, but every single pretext has to be approved. It has to go through HR. It has to go through management. And inevitably, it, it turns into this really watered down social engineering engagement. I, yeah. I always like telling yeah. the story where we, where we uh, basically saw that the company we were going after partnered with a shoe company. And uh, we did a spear phishing engagement, which is part of social engineering. Um, that was basically, Hey, thanks for partnering with us for this charitable event. Here's a discount for 20% off of our shoes. Like it worked. It was an amazing ruse and it got us into a tremendous amount of trouble because the customers were pissed that they didn't get their discount for their shoes. Or whenever you're trying to do a social engineering pretext, pretending to be a CTO or a CEO or a CFO, a lot of organizations just really, really, really do not like to like have anybody impersonate the executives in the company because it's going to create distrust with the executives. It just gets watered down all the time. And I don't think that this will be too much of a problem with like continuous pen testing customers. I think a lot of them get it, but I think just the standard rank and file companies doing pen tests, I, is it worth doing social engineering if it's an absolute just like watered down version of it as well? I want everyone to know that I spent like two weeks tracking info stealer logs and did, and built out like 10 detections for it just because of Corey yelling all every week. <laughs> so I am locked down. Do not come so, after me. So you're saying like, that, that social engineering works. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think any pen test, the goal of the pen test, it's like I always use the analogy of we're doctors. If you walk in with a bleeding stump, I think that's the highest priority. And yeah. sometimes yeah. like that social engineering is the bleeding stump of pen test. Like if I check your external and oh, I didn't find any zero days and then I can just call the help desk and say, hi, this is Brian, the admin. I need my password and my MFA reset. If I can do that, like that is such a higher priority than like, oh, you have SSL version two on your website. That's going to get yeah, you hacked. Oh, right. So it, it, it's just a matter of like pen testing needs to prioritize the most like highest risk things to the business. And if social engineering is that we need to 
it's our job to figure out how to sell that to you know the board or the security teams or whatever. Can I throw so, a little more curveball in this too? Because John, you brought this up and you're kind of like you know talking about um, you know should we be doing social engineering and other things like that. Uh, I've done a customer in the past where we did like a red team or whatever you want to call it, you know, kind of, and we destroyed them right the first time, whatever. The second time we destroyed them. The third time, I literally told sales, I was like, listen, they don't need a red team. Okay. (laughs) Focus on things before this, right? They need to focus on the remediation. They need to focus on these things. Right. And they were adamant that they wanted this red team. Right. And I bring up that story to talk about social engineering. Sometimes customers are just like, we know that's what we need. Even if we advise them, Hey, you know, we don't think this is what you should get. Right. And that's fine. As long as we put it out there, we put it out there. Yeah. Um, so Kelly, I got a question for you. Yes. I think that there's a lot of times like people in InfoSec, they sit around like this, like it's like a water cooler. We all talk about what InfoSec should do and what it shouldn't do. You've been in the midst of making the sausage for compliance standards for a long time. Is it easy yes. to get a good idea? And this is a totally leading question. <laughs> is it easy to get a good idea put into a compliance standard? Like, let's say we say, you know, every organization should do social engineering and every organization should mandate two-factor authentication as part of a compliance standard. How hard is that to actually get through the political process of becoming a standard? Well, there's two questions, two answers there or two questions there. I think John, one is internal in your own company, how to get it part of your compliance standard. And that uphill battle, I think is easier um, because the pods. Whoa, 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 whoa. That internal politics is easier. Okay. It it depends on the organization, Uh, but at the same time, well, it might be easier compared to let let's say we wanted really defined social engineering standards in the CIS controls. I can tell you that that would inc- uh, entail a, a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations, and a lot of justification. So to get something like that into uh, a more publicized framework or best standard, it is difficult. And what are the common pushbacks on something like that? Like it hasn't been done before. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out I'm in a meeting, I'm in a room with a whole bunch of people and I make the case. It's like, Hey, most of the breaches that we're starting to see are for organizations that are missing two-factor authentication. Let's make this a standard for ISO. Let's make it a standard for NIST. Let's make it a standard for this. Like, what are the points of pushback on that? And part of the reason why I want to know is because like the, the password complexity thing that I just drove for years against PCI, where PCI's minimum standard was, I think it was like seven characters. And it took forever. And I literally had people calling me up and like, dude, you don't want to mess with PCI mafia because those guys will mess with <laughs> John, and, can I give you an analogy? Sure. It, it's, it's like rat hair and food. You know, we all eat a certain amount of ick because the the bar is set, uh, you you know, we will tolerate a certain amount. I think when it comes to frameworks and standards, some things are just too dang hard to implement across many organizations or people perceive them to be too hard. That's it. Are you tracking with me? Nope, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. And I kind of knew that that was the answer, but I wanted to hear someone who... John, like another example I thought it was like places pushing MFA, at least two places that I've worked, there's been a rationale given that there are groups of employees that cannot have the phones for 2FA. So they're like, we have tellers, teller line, they can't do it. We have people out on like the manufacturing line, they need to log in and not have MFA because they can't have their phones out on the 
a lot. See, and that's one of those things that I think is a compliance trap, right? Yep. Where people start using compliance as a reason to not do something, right? Like, and the the reason why that bothers me so much is anytime we do an audit or things, there's always exceptions, right? Like you can look at it and you can say, okay, well, cool. Well, overall in the organization, um, we can implement two-factor authentication, but when we have the subset, we can document that subset and have the compensating controls around that subset. And, and <laughs> there was a gig that I worked on with Kelly years ago. I, I, I don't even think I can even mention a little bit about, cause I think people will figure out who it was, but like, seriously, Kelly, I don't know if you remember, this is the organization that had Telnet everywhere. And I told them that's bad. Don't do that. They wanted a second opinion. And Kelly came in and heard that and was like, no, that's, that's freaking bad. Um, but they were literally saying things like, we're going to completely ignore this entire compliance standard because it's hard. And then it was like, well, patches and updates, we're not going to do those because our stuff is so old, we can't update it and we can't patch it. It became this absolute compliance nightmare. And I get that. I really, really, really do that it's hard, but to not do a, like something in a compliance document across an entire organization because of a smaller subset that can't implement it is not really the way that that was designed. So it should always be designed, identify your exceptions and then identify the compensating controls. Kelly, did I say that right? Oh, John, that was so good. I think I've heard that before. Um, I'll add one other thing to what you're saying there. That was so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting all warmed up and excited now. Um, you know, when some people, when some organizations are writing their policies, they say exactly that. I'm not going to do MFA because, well, once it's in the policy, then those dang compliance people are going to come after me and the auditors, they're, they're going to fail me. And I love what you said about writing exception documents. Put it in your policy, write an exception document or, or write something that says we're working on it. We've got percentage of systems complete. Um, you know, we, we all know working with CJ internally, he always wants to know what percentage is complete. Same thing with controls and implementing MFA or any sort of other compliance headache. Mm-hmm. And Radis just brought up a great point. Exceptions can be abused. Watch out for the abuse. And right. we totally like, uh, I, like it's, it's one of those things when you go in and you start talking to the customer, it's straight up obvious right out of the gate. Like whenever you're looking at the exceptions and it's just like nothing but a sea of exceptions, as far as the eyes can <laughs> see, you know, you know that you're going to have a really bad engagement on it. But, uh, but no, I, 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 I would much rather have, actually, if I had to choose, I'd rather have more exceptions than people that just wholesale ignore the frameworks completely. Um, but much like the ER, if you walk in with a bleeding stump and ask for cold meds and then refuse to be treated, you can leave. <laughs> you, you, yeah. That's all you, you want to, that's also, I wanted to say pro tip, make sure that you're as an IT and security org, you're ready to react when you get breached. Because yeah. uh, and and what by React I mean push in all the changes that you've been. Ha <laughs> that you <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, uh, you know how every week we have the job posting at the company hiring new uh, security engineer with super good experience with MFA. Uh, yeah, that is a real phenomenon. And when breaches happen, security teams need to be ready to capitalize and say, "Okay, we're going MFA everywhere." Because this is yep. why we can't have nice things. And, like and that's, that's really thing, how it is. That's the thing that pisses me off is I've seen this cycle happen multiple times where I go in, talk to a company and say, here's all the things you should be doing. 
or we have a pen test. We're like, that right there is really bad. You all need to fix that. And they're like, well, actually we can't, um, we, we can't, uh, or we won't, or it's hard, or you can't make me and I'm mad at you. And then it's like, we, we end up kind of quietly firing those customers where they come back and they're like, Hey, we'd like you to bid on this year's pen test. We just kind of say, sorry, we're really busy. We can't right now because we know that there are train wrecks waiting to happen. And then inevitably what happens, like usually within the space of two years, somebody from that company comes back to me and they're like, Hey, you know, that thing that you said was really, really important. Um, Griffin just said, it's only an internal thing or all those. Yeah, we totally got exploited. You, you have that. to connect to the VPN. See today's zero paper. Why that's not a good idea. And, and the and the follow on from that is always the same. It's like all those recommendations that you had in the report. We managed to get those things implemented in less than a week to get up and running. It's like it's only hard until it's not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, though, like multiple people said in uh, chat, Vinyl Groove and others said. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth for everybody? Yeah. That's, that's, but that is a window, by the way. That window is about a month to two months after you've been breached to get management and having their attention and getting in all these things in security that you wanted. Um, you have probably a 60 day window. So, what I recommend everybody do, if you, and this is another thing, like when we do pen tests, a lot of times, you know, we'll have systems administrators say, yeah, I knew about that. Yeah, I, I knew about that. Yep. Yep. And, and that's fine. It's not, it's not malicious or anything, but a lot of organizations, the security teams and the systems administrators, they know where the skeletons are. They know where the problems are. And I recommend, you know, putting in a request in an email, making sure it's documented or just have it hot, ready to go. So whenever that breach happens, you got to strike just like, you know, Corvus just said, strike while the crisis is hot. So you're ready to go. And tell your pen testers the host names of the really crappy servers you want to do. Yeah, it's just <laughs> making, um, it's like tipping your waiter. It's like yeah, it's exactly. Send Don't us an email that says, tester. "Yeah, hey, send the, hey, you should take a look at this." And then we're like scanning it. And it's like exposed SMB, exposed S, uh, you know, etc. And, and it's like <laughs> now it's an appendix report. Now we can fix it. Yeah, it's now now works. it can be done. Help us help you. Do. Do you guys get that a lot? Because like my oh, past yeah. experience has seen that oh, yeah. like every time we're like, hey, we need this on the report. We need this oh, on the report. Yes, I would 100% like, say, yeah. I mean, obviously we have integrity standards, but I always ask my customers, what can I put on the report for you? What, what no, are it doesn't mean we're going to make things up, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. But we, we totally have to confirm have it's really a problem. But they're they're yeah. like, hey, you put this in as a medium. If if this and this happened and you did these things, okay, go do that. Okay, now it's a high. Now we can take care of that. And that's the collaboration that you're ultimately looking for with customers. Yeah. And yeah, there's exactly. a lot of times where it's like, why am I here? Like you guys knew this, like you knew you needed to patch your systems. You know, you needed this. We just needed someone from outside of the company to come in and say that it was important. That's it. Yeah. And also how you report things has a huge swing. If I say, oh, steel logs are bad. Okay, cool. Like no one cares. But if I say I have every piece of information you put in your browser and here's, you know, a sample of it or whatever. Now it's like, I'm terrified. Where do I, how do I fix, you know, how, what do I do? It's about showing the impact. And that's where a lot of pen tests, I think, fall short. They're like, well, it said it was vulnerable. So I reported it as vulnerable versus saying, yeah. here's it the says, CEO's email inbox. Yeah. Bad. It says yeah. 10 and Nessa. So it must be bad, right? <laughs> like it has to be. Okay. All right. So with that, let's draw it to a close. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and we're a podcast. Get it on your phone. 
uh, favorited on like whatever. Run podcast. faster. Run faster. Attaboy. And we also do pen tests, security assessments, sock, whatever. If you need stuff, call us. We're here. We're here for you. And that's about all that I got. Thank you so much. Bring out the crooked finger. Here it is. Oh, do we have Ralph in the mirror universe again? No, no. he's the floor. No, he, no. His universe is the door universe. Yeah, here, look. Yeah. Okay. No, this is definitely door. mirror universe. I'm scared. I don't yeah, like it. This is mirror universe. You got all it's mirrored, and you got all these extra like. I've been working with you for years. Right. I know what you look like th- in the right orientation. This is <laughs> you're right. <laughs> there you go. In the right. See orientation. the Galvin the <laughs> the Gavin Benson signature is always pointing to the left That's how, yeah, <laughs> yeah it actually looks war no it, there's no angle that looks okay um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah it, it looks it, it, it yesterday or last week it was mirrored and people were like it's not a signature anymore it's just uh yeah yeah <laughs> just and and i love that i periodically get people that are offended by it and i send them that episode or that specific scene in silicon valley and they're like, oh, 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 I get it. I get it. Yeah. Ralph's immature, but it's based but on it something. is funny. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. <laughs> no, actually, that was literally, I, 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 I didn't watch like the whole series or whatever, but I watched that episode. It was super, super funny. And the reason I printed it out is not because uh, I loved it. It was because I wanted to do multi-material with the 3D printer, which I ended mm-hmm. up doing. Like, sure. Yeah. Use that. Yeah. As yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. There's always an excuse to print well, something on a 3D printer. I, you know, we could talk about this every single news week, but they stopped that show way too soon. Yeah, um, that's true. They need to bring it back. <laughs>